Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've got a great guest and he's on so frequently. I got a feeling he's going to start asking for some checks. I'm hoping to get around that. Mike Rogers is a former member of Congress who represented the Michigan's 8th Congressional District, which is now no more where he rose to the chair of the powerful House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. As chairman, he authorized and oversaw a $70 billion budget. He has experience in the United States Army as an FBI agent. A lot of us thought that he was going to eventually be the director of the FBI. We'll talk a little bit about that as we welcome Congressman. How are you, sir? I am doing well, sir. It's just such an honor to be on with you. I thought you guys might start asking me. for something. <laughs> hey, I think we're in a good place right now. Well, thanks for being here. Well, as you know, a lot of folks are throwing their hat into the ring to run for president. I know that's something you thought about. Tell me about that process, because I know you were traveling around the country and having conversations. And I think the process of that's kind of fascinating. Talk about that, Mike. Yeah. So I've been showing up in places like New Hampshire and South Carolina and Iowa. My wife and I sat down early and said, listen, if people stop inviting us to come back, didn't like the message or the message was like every other candidate, you know, we wouldn't do this. And so what we're finding is every time we go, we get more invites, more opportunities to speak and kind of share my vision for the future of the country and where we ought to be and the things we ought to be worried about. You know, China being first and foremost of that and the kinds of things they're doing to the United States and what we have to do domestically to prepare for that. People keep inviting us back. So we're going to continue to go back. You know, this does have a shelf life and we'll have to figure out if we can cut through the noise on all of this. And we'll probably know within a month or so if that's even you know able to happen. Yeah. So if you can cut through the noise and get the financial support you need and the support that you would need to run a campaign. It's something you're still strongly considering that. Listen, again, my wife and I had a great life. We didn't need any of this. I just think it's really, really important when you look at where we are. China's teaching their eighth graders quantum mechanics. Last year in the United States, 69% of our eighth graders were not reading proficient. You cannot continue to fall behind like we are doing with what I think is a huge and broken education system that certainly needs reform. And we have to take care of these kids. So that message is resonating. I have to tell you, Tony, when I'm done talking, the longest line is from women who are concerned about their kids or grandkids or their future. It's really something. People are starting to take note. Remember, our politics has been so small for the last decade. All we do is fight with each other over, you know, things that at the end of the day, we probably could find some common ground, but we don't. And my argument is people need to hear this message and we need to kind of come together to fix these big problems. So, so far, so good. Mike, what blows my mind about some of the challenges that we're facing as parents is that there are people out there who think that they can dictate to you how you raise your children and they can dictate to schools what they should be teaching, even if it's not what you want. I see this a lot from my end because my wife is on a local school board here in Michigan and she's fighting that battle. And it's to me, the audacity, 
I don't tell anyone else how to raise their kids. Why do these people think they can do this with our children in our schools? Yeah, I don't know. And I think candidly, the folks on the left are very good about capturing with a short phrase and that make you look bad. Like they'll call that book banning. If you say, I don't really want this material in my kids. That's my job as a parent to decide when they can have access to that material. It's all about age appropriate, but they turned it into book banning. And boy, you're just a terrible guy, Tony, because you want to ban books. I'm kind of where you're at. Leave my kids alone. Right now, we can't read. By the way, in that same eighth grade report where almost 70% couldn't read at grade level, 74% weren't doing math at grade level. My argument is stop trying to social engineer our kids. Let parents be parents and get back to the things we are supposed to be doing in the school, which is my dad used to say as a shop teacher, by the way, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. We are falling behind. I think that, again, they're always on offense on something. And it's never about getting our kids up to grade level, doing the things they're supposed to do so they can have and make good choices for their future. And this is a conversation we're going to have to have. And the schools need to stop it. Get out of my parenting way and I'll deal with it. So, Mike, I've been studying what happens when someone takes over our kids and tries to eliminate religion and tries to take hold of our political process and tries to divide us. And I keep coming up with socialism and communism. If you read all the tenets of Marxism, Leninism, and by the way, which is what China embraces, by the way, they talked oftenly about the Marxist-Leninist you know, ideology. One of the things that they'll tell you in those ideologies, this is, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but this is what those ideologies talk about, is separating the kids from the parents, number one, and taking over the education system. I think Lenin's quote was, give me your children for four years, I'll plant the seeds of a revolution that will last a generation. And so, you know, I do think the left is consciously going into a place that has nothing to do with the well-being of our kids. Arguing about what is age appropriate shouldn't be this hard and it shouldn't be this difficult. And they shouldn't get this upset about making sure the parents have a view of what their kids are doing. I just talked to a second grade teacher today who was telling me that it's reading. Absolutely. They're having a horrible time. The other part is vocabulary. They're not teaching vocabulary. And she gave a great reference today. I told her I was going to steal it. She said, I'll give you a great example. If you say a sacrifice fly in baseball, right? Vocabulary is so important for those two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four, five, six, seven, or eight-year-olds, because then you would know the difference between a sacrifice fly and sacrifice for your country. And she said, kids don't know the difference today. Right. And you start thinking about the implications of that and what it means to our education system. And here, what do they want to argue about? Oh, you don't like a book that has pornographic material in it being in the library. Well, no, I don't. Number one. But number two, should we even be talking about that? How about getting kids the vocabulary lessons they need? How about getting kids the reading that they need and the math that they need? When we come back, we're going to talk again with former Congressman Mike Rogers. We're going to talk a little bit about leadership. We'll do that next here on Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. For something to grow, it takes time. Like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. 
because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Media Business. Congressman, before we talk about leadership, I want you to tell folks what you've been up to because you're a part of many different charitable organizations, cybersecurity. Tell folks what you've been up to. Yeah. So for the business side, I've been involved in tech companies, everything from AI, artificial intelligence, and how we apply it to cybersecurity companies. I've invested a little bit of money in some cybersecurity companies. I'm an advisor and on the board trying to get these companies up and running to protect networks, not only your business networks, but personal networks as well. In addition, my wife and I co-founded a group called Lead America, L-E-A-D America.org. And I hope your listeners and viewers get on there and just take a look at it. We believe that we have got to start talking about the leadership that it's going to take to get America back together again. Right now, we are going further right and further left. And there just doesn't seem to be any room in the middle. And a lot of people feel left out and politically discouraged. We're trying to get people not to be politically discouraged. Remember, anger should never be your final destination. It should be your motivation to change something. And so we see a lot of anger in politics, but not a lot of motivation to change. And so we've been going around the country having those kind of conversations as well. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about leadership. I follow a gentleman by the name of Michael Lombardi. He's a former general manager in the NFL, and he has a podcast called The GM Shuffle, which mainly talks about football. But he also has a website where you can follow him on Twitter, and it's called The Daily Coach. And he talks about leadership and how important it is in sports and everything we do. And he talks about the common vision and getting everyone on board and getting everyone to buy in. And it seems like in our country, we're a long ways away from that, whether it's politically, whether it's in business, socially, we seem to be a mess when it comes to leadership, Congressman. Oh, completely. I mean, and that lack of leadership in the country for some time has led to the lowest participation rate in joining the military, all the military services that we've ever had since we started doing a volunteer military service. Matter of fact, the Army fell so short, it's about one division over the last four years. They didn't recruit. Gone. And so you think about this next generation and all the mental distress that's happening So think of this, and this is to me as a leadership, I'm answering the leadership question, it may be a little longer than you want, but it's this mental distress. One in 10 teenage girls, 10% attempted suicide in 2021, attempted. So we have mental distress going on with these kids. They're losing faith that America is a good and great place. A lot of it because they're being taught that. And we just don't have leadership at the top that says, listen, we're going to have some arguments and some differences, but we're all the same. We have more in common than we don't. And we're going to have to pull together because the rest of the world wants what we have and they're coming to get. Don't our leaders realize that we've got challenges with the housing market. We've got social challenges. We've got education challenges. We've got economic challenges. We've got military challenges. Our standing in the world isn't where it's been. Don't our leaders see that? I do, but I think what you see is that I'm going to get on TV. I'm going to 
you know, get my fingers around your throat and I'm going to get a few more, you know, Twitter followers and some more Facebook likes. And we have debased ourselves and politically to a point where I think it's, it is absolutely causing us harm. And I don't see leaders trying to step over that to have a conversation about just of all the challenges you talked about, we have solutions. So let's start working on those solutions. It seems like we're a country of labels now. If you're on the right, you're woke. If you're on the left, you're MAGA, you're black, you're white, you're racist, this or that. It reminds me of something, Mike, that really bothers me. When you talk about quarterbacks and you talk about black quarterbacks, why has it got to be a black quarterback? He's a quarterback. I mean, we've seen all kinds of guys play quarterback. Why do we do that? And this label thing, as opposed to substance, is really taking hold in this country. Well, I think it's because it's easier to argue you're one of those labels than actually have to push back on wherever you're at in the world, right? Because I think if you have that conversation, most people are probably closer than they realize. With exceptions, there are people on the far extremes never going to go anywhere near a conversation. And what we need to do, to your point, is A, stop separating ourselves. I mean, the government tries to separate yourself. They keep adding more categories and more things that you have to call yourself first before you call yourself an American. We do it in our politics. We do it. Conservatives do it to themselves. Liberals do it to themselves. And then you get the big mass of you're this or you're that. We become a label culture because it's easier. And it's a great way to shut you down. They're doing it. We saw what they did on college campuses, the professors saying, oh, you're whatever, you're racist, you're fill in the blank. Really dangerous things to say. And it became the norm. I don't like what my professor's doing. That professor must be racist, even though I'm white as anyone else. And so I really do think this thing has taken another step. And we've taught this whole generation coming up behind us that that acerbic, nasty, go at them with something pejorative is the way you get your way. That's what's wrong with America. You try that in the fifth grade or, you know, in the sandbox, you know, in your own neighborhood, it doesn't work that way, right? Uh, you know, you got to thunk somebody in the head every once in a while for stealing your truck. But at the end of the day, you work things out because you want to play in the sandbox together. We're talking with former Michigan Congressman Mike Rogers. When we come back, we're going to talk about China and American business. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. Welcome back to Media Business. One final segment with former Michigan Congressman Mike Rogers. Mike, I recently read this editorial piece in the Wall Street Journal, and it talked about American business over in China. And it says that the game plan for China is to get American business, to get worldwide business in China, get those businesses there, then bleed them for their tech and their knowledge, and then kick them out of there. What do you think about that? They've been doing this for 15, 20 years. 
You cannot do business in China without having a partner that is part of the Communist Party of China. Can't do it. And they have really strict laws about what you have is theirs, right? And so I think American businesses decided that that was the gold rush, even our big corporations, and there was a billion people. And gosh, if we could get into that market where you know everybody gets rich. And what we found out was the Chinese were stealing intellectual property. They were repurposing it and competing against those companies. Happens today like it's been going on for the last 15 years. And so I would back up and say, listen, we should be selling goods and services to the rest of the world. That makes a great economy. This notion that we have to go to China and give them everything, I think it's dangerous, it's naive, and it's short-lived. And the problem is this happened over and over and over again. It's not a one-off thing. This has been going on, as I said, long time and happening over and over again. You'd think we'd learn by now. Why don't American businesses pull out of China? Why don't we stop China from infiltrating our colleges, from buying land here, from being involved in our businesses? Why don't we put a stop to that? I think we should. One is that if we need to stop giving them access to our research and development universities at the level that we are, we need to stop doing that. But why don't we, Mike? Because the universities are signed this independent system and it's all about cash because those Chinese students pay a lot more money in tuition than an American student would sitting in the same seat. And so they have gotten addicted to this cash. The Chinese know it and they're taking advantage of us. Think of this. The FBI opens a Chinese espionage case in the United States every 10 hours. We didn't have that kind of espionage going on you know, with the Soviet Union. They're really aggressive. And so I agree with you. You shouldn't buy land that's close to our military installations. We shouldn't allow them to do that either. Why? Because they're publicly stating they want to undermine the United States. And it is a communist party of China that has its own expansionist ideas. This is not some benign rise. They tell you how they're going to do it. And by the way, they've been doing it. We have proof that they're stealing. My argument is, okay, enough. This is enough. Mike, I'd love some, to trade with you, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let you steal with me. As someone who worked in the FBI, what do you think of the current FBI whistleblower claims? I don't know all of them. I've been trying to pay attention to it. I think there's a cultural problem. And we talked about leadership. That's a leadership problem. I hear a lot of people saying it's time to break up the FBI and all of that. You don't want to break up the organization that brought down organized crime and is chasing Chinese you know, espionage agents all over the country. But what we want to do is get a leadership and cultural change you know, at the seventh floor of the FBI headquarters. That's where these decisions are being made with DOJ. We need to clean that out and reestablish the public trust in the FBI. It's tarnished. I spoke to the FBI Agents Association, I don't know, about a week ago, and we had this very serious conversation about just this. And these are the agents that you know built the reputation of the Bureau, right? And so they're upset. They're angry. They think that they've been betrayed a little bit from this new culture that doesn't abide by fidelity, bravery, integrity. We need to clean that out. If you touch the memo and put it in another inbox, you should be gone too. Get all of that out, get right back and refocus on the work of the FBI and stay the hell out of politics. I wonder, can that be changed, though, when you look at the FISA court challenge that went on with the Russia investigation of President Trump? The FBI is refusing to turn over a subpoena document on an alleged Joe Biden criminal scheme. The Hunter Biden laptop has not really been invited. Is it really possible to change the FBI on that seventh floor? 
I do believe it because you start firing these folks and asking them to find something else to do, you'll get their attention in a hurry. And I do believe that's exactly what you have to do. Remember, even the guy that falsified an affidavit that went to the FISA court judge, right? Back in my day, you know, the FBI agents themselves would have taken you out back and gave you the what for. Now, you know what he did? He lost his law license for a year. He lost his job. Great. He lied to a federal judge. My argument is he should never practice law again. We have to realign this thing that you have consequences for not following this. And then the director needs to be of stature to be able to go to these offices, talk to these agents, let them understand the importance of following the ethos of the FBI and getting back to work. And if we ever catch you doing something like that again, you're gone. Do the Republicans have to take the White House in order for that to happen? Yes. You think that's going to happen? I do. I think we have some challenges. I mean, think about it. 75% of Americans believe the country's on the wrong track, but they also did in 2022 and they let it happen again. My argument is Republicans have to have a better message about where we're going. We can't be revenge seeking. We can't look back. We have to look forward. We have to confront these big challenges and we have to highlight how we're going to make America a better place for their children. We do that. We're going to win the White House. Mike Rogers is the former member of Congress representing Michigan. He's got lots going on now. We're going to follow him in the news these next few weeks. Who knows what that could turn up? Mike, I appreciate you so much, sir. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.